Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's show, we look at the situation in India, which is slowly developing into a state-engineered pogrom against Muslim people. This has been developing since the passing of the Citizenship Amendment Bill, now law, tying people's citizenship to India to their religion. India's Hindu supremacist BJP government has stepped up its state repression by ramming through its Reactionary Citizenship Amendment Act in early December 2019. The law grants Indian citizenship to non-Muslim immigrants from Pakistan, Bangladesh and Afghanistan, but denies that right to Muslims from any country in South Asia. Immigrants from other countries in the region, including Tamils from Sri Lanka and Rohingya from Myanmar, are also excluded. Workers, students and other parts of civil society have been protesting since November last year in an effort to defeat the legislation, with a nationwide general strike on the 8th of January bringing tens of millions of workers to the streets. However, some of these protests have been contested by fascist forces and thugs, and in the last week, we've seen mosques being burnt down and heightened communal violence, resulting in deaths. Joining me on the program today to discuss the Citizenship Amendment Act of India, its implications for communal violence and the growing protest movement in opposition to it, I'm joined by Shivani Kohl, who starts off this interview by introducing herself. Hi, I'm Shivani and I'm from India. Uh, I'm from a political party called Revolutionary Workers Party of India. And I'm a spokesperson of RWPI. And I'm also active with many trade unions in India. So, of course, the purpose of our conversation today is the very, very regressive and um, chauvinist Citizenship Amendment Act. Can you start off by telling us what is the Citizenship Amendment Act? A Citizenship Amendment Act has been recently passed by the Parliament of India. Uh, earlier, it was a proposed bill, but in December last year, the government uh, passed uh, this act and now it's a full blown law in India and for the first time in the history of independent India religion has been made a criteria for granting citizenship ostensibly the act talks about giving uh, you know citizenship to all those persecuted minorities who are from either uh, Pakistan Afghanistan and Bangladesh uh, but uh, on the other hand it also excludes Muslims uh, that Muslims do not form part of these, uh, you know, persecuted minorities. So uh, it's blatantly discriminatory. It's it's uh, totally divisive, and it's uh, actually uh, even going against the tenets of bourgeois democratic, uh, you know, constitutional framework in India. So for the first time, uh, such a massive, uh, you know, a discriminatory law has been passed. It makes religion as a, uh, as a ground for granting citizenship uh, to people. But the fear is that it's not the actual object of the law because many agencies of government have said that even if 
going by the very various provisions of this uh, act uh, hardly 31000 people will find place register even if all the uh, procedures are followed so uh, i believe that the real intent in passing this amendment in passing this law uh, is is totally different and not that you know government is very much bothered about persecuted minorities and in 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 those uh, terms they talk about hindus they talk about sikhs they talk about uh, jains buddhists parsis but not muslims but that is uh, on the face of it you'll see that it's dis- discriminatory but the real intent lies somewhere else and totally a discriminatory and divisive law So why is it? Why has it been introduced? And not just why has it been introduced. Why has it been introduced now? What is it about the current political context of India that this is being introduced now? This is a very pertinent question going by the political context in which this act is being uh, this amendment is being introduced uh, because uh, i just want to clarify that it's not that for the first time some amendment has been made to the citizenship act in india the original act dates back to 1955 and there have been many uh, amendments but for the first time religion has been made into a ground and it also goes with the kind of hindutva fascist communal fascist politics of current uh, regime and the same government in 2003 Uh, had actually discussed all these things that you know they will introduce religion as a ground for citizenship they will also introduce a national register for citizens and uh, during the current uh, lok sabha elections the elections that were held in uh, last may one of the planks one of the electoral promises that the modi government the bjp made that time was that they are going to amend the citizenship act so now on the face of it it's true that the act is anti muslim it's anti uh, 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 secular tenets whatever you know secularism is there in the indian constitution but it's also uh, you know important to know that muslims will be the direct victims of any such drive whether it's through caa or whether it will be through nrc national register of citizen but most of the hindus will also you know land up in any such exercise on this list because uh, most of the people in india who are poor who are from working class background who are dalits and mostly women also they do not have their documents in place and government has said that all other documents beat aadhar which is a unique identification number uh, be it voter id card they are not you know uh, important and they won't be considered so uh, most of the people from other religious backgrounds who are poor and who do not have connections and uh, you know uh, uh, who who are actually vulnerable who are oppressed sections of the society will end up being part of such an exercise secondly all those who are a thorn in the eyes of current regime all sort of political opposition 
all those people who are against the policies of government, be it uh, regarding employment, be it regarding education, be it regarding the current economic slowdown. Anyone who has got questions uh, uh, needs to fear because they are going to be, you know, on those lists because they are the ones who will decide that you are the citizen of this country and we know uh, they are in control of every single machinery of state right now. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Shivani Cole about growing unrest and communal violence in India in response to the passing of the citizenship laws that effectively ban Muslims from being Indian citizens. Shivani picks up the discussion here by talking about the last two weeks where mosques have been burnt down. As all of us know, the protests against Citizenship Amendment Act and National Register of Citizenship, that is NRC, and National Population Register, that is NPR, has been going on throughout the country for more than past two months. And especially in Delhi, Women, children, youth, they uh, have been staying put at more than 21 demonstration sites uh, across Delhi. So on 23rd of this month, 23rd February, uh, in a very well-planned and meticulously uh, operated fashion, uh, violence was unleashed by RSS, the Rashtriya Swayam Seva goons and the uh, fascist party, the BJP, uh, on the peaceful protesters uh, in one of the areas where the protests uh, had been going on for a long time, uh, Jafrabad, Silampur. And uh, in the aftermath of that state-abetted, state-sponsored violence against the peaceful protesters, then, you know, uh, in all places, especially in Northeast Delhi, uh, communal riots started happening. And uh, as of now, as per the official records, more than 39 people have lost their lives. More than 200 people are injured. And these are official figures. And we should take all these figures with a pinch of salt because they always underplay and, you know, uh, don't give the exact numbers. So uh, uh, right now, particularly in Northeast Delhi, situation is very tense. And throughout these, uh, you know, incidents of violence, uh, the role of Delhi police has, uh, you know, come into question because they have stood there as mute spectators, not intervening because they had no such orders from Home Ministry, which is uh, being taken care of by Amit Shah who is a well-known fascist figure in India. So um, post February 23rd and past three, four days, uh, things have been terrible. Since uh, yesterday, uh, there are, uh, you know, less such accounts. But prior to that, uh, most of the cases of violence were uh, gruesome. And uh, there has been targeted attack on Muslim neighborhoods, 
properties owned by uh, Muslims. And when these clashes happened, uh, there was all sort of uh, destruction. Many common Hindu folks also lost lives. And uh, things have been pretty bad since then. Yeah. In the um, press, there are comparisons between what is happening in Delhi at the moment and uh, 1984, so the the anti-Sikh programs. But one thing that they are not talking about is 2002, which was the anti-Muslim po- um, programs in uh, Gujarat. Uh, and I, I am curious about why one kind of comparison is made and not the other because we know the uh, current leader of India, Modi, was implicated in the Gujarat massacre itself. Yes, I I totally agree with your observation. Uh, First of all, uh, the scale of planning and the, uh, you know, scale of predeterminedness of these attacks is concerned, it should probably draw comparisons with the 2002 uh, communal program uh, against Muslims in Gujarat. It doesn't uh, mean that whatever happened in 1984 uh, uh, stands justified because that was targeted against uh, attack against Sikhs. But I believe that the kind of fascist uh, uh, planning that has gone into the current uh, attacks should draw comparisons with the 2002 uh, Gujarat uh, genocide that happened because that is the more uh, relatable, uh, you know, comparison that can be brought to the table. And uh, we must not forget that whatever happened in 1984 was not a fascist attack. Congress leaders were active, state was implicated, that is all true. But right now what we are witnessing in Delhi is uh, uh, an attack uh, spearheaded by fascist forces in this country. It's It's a typical fascist attack on minorities, on this figure of other that they have been you know, conjuring up for such a long period of time. And mobs have been unleashed, uh, which I don't believe are from any particular religion because the Hindutva fascists, they are not even true to what they say. So for them, uh, Hindutva uh, communalism and Hindutva fascism is an ideology. And I believe that what has happened right now in Delhi should precisely, as you pointed out, draw comparisons with what happened in Gujarat, in which Narendra Modi and his uh, government uh, stood implicated. And uh, uh, the same thing is happening in Delhi since 23rd of February. I think uh, people will ask the question in relation to the planning and the nature of fascism. I mean, the immediate comparison will be to Nazi Germany and the fact that that was mechanised and industrialised genocide. And that isn't quite what we are seeing in India. So how do you make, how, how do you explain and I guess justify the label of um, systematic and planned genocide uh, under a fascist ideology for what is happening in New Delhi right now? Look, uh, what BJP and RSS have been planning for a long time was uh, in the aftermath of uh, anti-CA and NRC protests was to... uh, 
at a very opportune movement uh, moment unleashed their forces on ground and uh, their preparation all along was and it should not be subtracted uh, uh, from the fact that their preparation was for a large scale genocide but i believe that uh, in that sense uh, they have also miscalculated uh, some of their moves because this anti ca and nrc protest that has been happening gained momentum among non muslim masses also and a sizable section of non muslim masses from other religious beliefs and faiths also believe that if you know nrc national register of citizenship is amended uh, is implemented then even they will be uh, facing the brunt of such policies so i think their preparation was you know to launch a mass genocide and we should be prepared for any such eventuality but i believe they also miscalculated on some plane and many reports have come up where uh, hindus and muslims have fought together and driven off these fascist mobs from their neighborhoods and in that sense uh, their planning in 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 uh, terms of uh, having these detention centers when ca is uh you know implemented or when nrc is put into practice they are planning for a large scale detention centers which will be more or less akin to what we saw in uh, you know 1930s germany the concentration camps how far they will succeed uh, also depends on how revolutionary forces uh, you know uh, fight back and they counter the assault being launched right now but their preparation has been all along for launching a genocide uh, but in in certain respects they have also uh, uh, miscalculated and their attempts have also backfired because in current situation uh, which is unfolding in delhi spontaneously people have fought back uh, these goons on ground so uh, i believe that uh, all along we have also uh, been not you know been touch with the reality that their propaganda has been countered on ground also so uh, 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 the violence that has been unleashed uh, it reeks of what happened in 2002 but i think it will take more preparation on their part also and because they have been failing on every other front so their you know single propaganda against muslims is also not finding favor even with their constituencies they have failed on the front of employment all other economic parameters this government has miserably failed and there is a latent anger among the masses uh, against all other policies of the government so every time you are raising the bogey of you know muslim as a figure who is uh, taking away your employment or who is you know after your wives or daughters it won't find favor with the people who are in touch with the reality who know from their lives that you know the government policies in past 6 years have actually uh, caused lot of misery a uh, lot of pain uh, and all the problems that they are facing in their ri- lives right now uh, it's it's part of entire uh, propaganda that this party has been doing all along so i believe that the fascists in india right now they are also not so much in touch with the reality so uh, uh, maybe they will sit back and take stock of the situation but i think uh, 
the masses, uh, the uh, specifically the working masses, the lower middle classes of this country, they also are, you know, getting to know the reality of the policies of uh, fascist BJP government for the past six years. Well, we understand that that BJP government is actually very, very popular. And so too is Modi. I mean, this is not uncommon in uh, political environments where we see the rise of ultra-right and uh, fascist forces in much the way that you've described. Uh, but I, I And you've touched on this in um, the last part of your discussion where you were talking about the masses and some of the revolutionary forces and so on. But we know that the job of fascism is to break once and for all the power and the, the strength and, and the spine of the workers' movement uh, in order to usher in uh, what is the... the the death decay of capitalism to save it in its final hour. If any of the history books are true in what they say about fascism, what is that economic situation in India and what is the state of the organised workers' movement that this fascism is seeking to break? Uh I totally agree with uh, your analysis, but uh, I I just want to add certain things to it. First of all, it's true that uh, BJP government uh, and Narendra Modi, for that matter, enjoyed some sort of popularity for some time, and uh, a sizable section among the working masses also believed that maybe a strong figure like you know Narendra Modi or a government like BJP uh, can turn things around because uh, the lack of political consciousness among the masses, in uh, particularly in a country like India, is glaring. But uh, over a period of time, this narrative has been challenged. To some extent, the revolutionary forces present right now in India uh, are responsible for changing that narrative, but I believe that uh, to an extent, the way in which the policies of this government uh, unfolded, for example, on economic front, the uh, state of employment right now in India is terrible. Uh, in past 50 years, uh, the unemployment rate has been at its highest, 7.5%, and that is according to the official government figures. Uh, if government is saying 7.5%, definitely it will be more than... 12 to 13 percent. Most of the uh, public institutions uh, built on the people's resources are uh, being privatized in a very systematic function, uh, fashion. So the railways uh, has been given to uh, private players. The, tele the government-owned telecom sector is being given to the uh, private players. Uh, LIC, the Life Insurance Corporation, the National Insurance Corporation of India, owned by uh, having a major stake uh, by government of India, it's been given to uh, corporates. So all these things are also unfolding at the same time when BJP is also trying to build this build its fascist narrative. Now uh, people also know from their lives and from their experiences that whatever promises this government has made uh, for the six past six years. Not a single one of those promises have been fulfilled. So the 
you know a promise of giving 2 crore jobs in a year promise of uh, economic prosperity and all such things they have proven totally you know uh, uh, groundless so i believe that uh, this narrative of pm modi or fascist bjp being unchallenged uh, is now being questioned so uh, the mainstream media does not tell us all these things and whatever news even people in other parts of the world are receiving will be through these uh, media outlets but believe me this narrative is getting challenged for example uh, our organization for uh, past 15 days has been organizing a foot march across delhi so we have covered more than 250 kilometers on foot we have addressed more than 150 public meetings and we are going across uh, working class neighborhoods and you know uh, neighborhoods where hindu muslim population are living together neighborhoods where lower middle class people are living and we have been receiving tremendous response and all these policies of uh, bjp government and specifically what they are doing with ca nrc npr uh we are taking uh, the message among the masses and we are getting a tremendous response so i believe that this narrative is also getting challenged it should not be seen as if that you know the uh, fascist propaganda is not getting challenged it is they have tried to uh, break the back of working class movement and by you know getting these labor laws reformed by making unionization almost impossible they have tried to do all such things but uh, there has been uh, uh, you know fight back uh, by working class forces also so i believe that right now uh, it's not a single narrative that is dominant in india there are other things that are you know uh, getting as no i won't say getting Uh, as much exposure as the mainstream narrative but uh, the challenge is being posed you've been listening to shivani call from the revolutionary workers party of india discussing the citizenship amendment act of india its implications for communal violence and the growing protest movement in opposition to it and that's all we have time for on today's program of accent of women Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen@gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.